Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thursday edition of Fantasy Sports Today is here. We've got football tonight in college and pro and a lot of baseball to get to on this show today. Joe Pizapia and Craig Mish. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And this is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you here on another Thursday. It's the first Thursday in October. We've got a big football game tonight between the Rams and Seahawks. We'll have a preview of that. Do a little trust or bust. Professor Pizapia is in the house and, of course, get to everything else as well. And, uh, Joe, these one-game eliminations in baseball seem to be picking up some steam. Another exciting game last night. Maybe not as close as the game, of course, with the drama of the night before. But uh, great to kind of be with you here on a Thursday where we've got games coming up in a few hours. Uh, and then tomorrow, like four games all day long and with football going on, too. It's uh, it's a lot to kind of keep up with in sports, but it makes for a really fun time of the year. Yeah, it is. October's the best, man. Playoff baseball, football in full swing. There's nothing better than this. You got hockey, you got basketball, you got everything happening. October is the sports month. And we've got a big weekend of stuff going on. That's for damn sure. And uh, I'm wondering with this whole professor gig that I've been given here. Yeah. How long before I get tenured? That's really the most important question I have. Yeah, we uh, 243 shows. Is the 243. Okay, so yeah, we're up to like four. It's not 22 or something. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the professor segments were up to uh, segment four, uh, four. Oh, it's per segment, not even yes. show. Oh, yes. oh yes. forget it. Oh, I'm going to It's like taking an online course, Joe. You got to watch the whole thing before you get there. You know, but you know you're right about the, the, the forced one game hashtag uh, really game seven created out of nothing is fun. And and Charlie Morton looked, worked out of a jam early. They had him on the ropes. The A's had him on the ropes a couple of times and they couldn't they couldn't go and, and put the death blow on him. And yep. when I gave up some home runs, Yanni Diaz, who had a really good season when he was on the field. Certainly was a guy to flash some power. He certainly flashed it last night. And the A's had some shots in that game. They just couldn't get it done. And I'll tell you, it's amazing to watch what Charlie Morton has become in his career because I watched a ton of him over in Pittsburgh in his earlier days. And is Atlanta before that, if memory serves, correct? Am I thinking correctly in Charlie Morton? Uh, yeah, Philadelphia also for a year. Oh, that's right. The Philly for a year. And he was, you know, it's kind of this guy who kept the ball on the ground, all this stuff. And then you see him go to Houston and become this whole other guy. And then the fact that it's carried over to Tampa, just, just an incredible run for him late in his career. So, you know, you don't see this as often where some of these guys later in their careers now, especially pitchers, turn themselves into aces. And he's done that. So good for him. Great job by the Rays. Kind of a disappointing end to the season for the A's. But I think they have a lot to look forward to because I think Olsen's a player. Chapman's a player. Uh, if you can get Lazardo and Manaya into that rotation next year, that's certainly if they can keep those guys healthy and making 25 plus starts. I think that's a big positive. So if you're an A's fan, I think you're really excited that you got there. You're disappointed, but you're looking and saying, hey, there's no reason we can't get back there next year. Yeah, they, they're in it every year. It seems every year people predict them to fail and every year they succeed. It's just the, the postseason success is the thing that they've had a hard time with, but they do have a good farm system and some players are coming up as well. And you're right about Charlie Morton. I've got a chance to know him pretty well through the years. Uh, the Astros train in Palm Beach. 
And uh, and he was very close to retirement this past offseason. But how do you turn down more life changing money with two years from Tampa? So we did that. I think he'll retire for sure after next year. But uh, right. He has a two year deal with the Rays, right? It was that's what he did. Yeah. Yeah. He lives in Florida, the west coast of Florida. And so wanted to be close to home. He's got kids, a lot of kids. And uh, and one of the one of the better guys that you'll ever come across in baseball. So I certainly am happy for him. And you're right. It almost never happens where we, we see pitchers and we see players have a renaissance late in their career. But it's usually for a postseason. And if Charlie Morton had that postseason two years ago and then did nothing from it after that, we would say, oh, do you remember when Charlie Morton? But he's kept it going. He kept yeah. it going last year. I'm he trying kept to it think going this year. You would probably know, too. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Pitchers who became better as their careers went on, like Al Leiter pops in my head right away as a guy that I thought became a better pitcher later in his career than he was earlier in his career for whatever reasons. Maybe there's a maturity of pitching. Maybe you discover something. I don't know if it was the spin rates of the things that they worked on in Houston. Does anybody pop in your head right away when you think of pitcher who became more of a thing the second half of his career than the first half of his career? Yeah, Cliff Lee. Because it's a tough one, one right? Yeah, Cliff, Cliff Lee's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the but one tough, that I right? think of. Yeah. It's um, not the normal path of a pitcher. Sometimes you get the hitters who are like that. Sometimes, you know, I mean, Jose Batista was nothing. And then all of a sudden he became a monster of hitting 40 home runs every year. You know, there's it, you have those guys sometimes that kind of pop up there. I mean, Nelson Cruz was a nice player, and then he just became a monster later in his career. But yeah, it, weird. you know, it, there there aren't a lot of great examples of that. And you would you would have to think of postseason success uh, also. Uh, the Marlins. I'm trying to think if there's anyone there. Carl Pavano had a really good late end of his career, but then fell apart a little bit with New York. Yeah, I, you don't come across Bartolo Colon. Uh, I don't know. There are no. Nah, he was really good. Early yeah, he was on good now. early. No, on Bart was. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll never forget this. Is I was watching. I was in a game. Uh, my cousin and I were doing all the five California ballparks in two weeks up and down California, and I got to watch Bartolo Colon warm up in front of me. And he was playing long toss with a guy. He was standing on the third baseline and he was throwing to the guy and the guy was on the warning track in dead center field. And he was right basically at third base, Bartolo Colon. And he was throwing balls to that guy. And I'm telling you, the ball when he was throwing it never got higher than the guy's head on a line. And I'll never forget as long as I live. I've never seen anybody do that. And I just like blown away thinking to myself, holy crap. Whoa, this guy's unbelievable. And there he is, you know, completely out of shape, whatever it is, just doing his thing. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, he threw a ball at me a few uh, spring trainings ago. Pretty funny. Because <laughs> he was mad at you or just no, it was like a, he was he made a joke. What happened was um, I was in, I was in the club. <laughs> spring training is a little different. So I was in the clubhouse doing interviews. I think it was he was in the Braves and uh, <laughs> I had just gotten done and I saw him and I said hello. And then I started walking out the door. And if you can kind of picture this, leaving the cluster, leaving a spring training clubhouse, when you, you when you walk out, you're walking outside. Right. This is not like a major league baseball team where you walk outside the clubhouse. You're still in the stadium like you're leaving when you walk outside. And so there's these two huge double doors and one of the double doors was open and one of the double doors was closed. So I naturally went to the double door that was open. And as I'm walking out the door, he takes a baseball and just slams it up against the other double door. And like, (laughs) bam, like real loud. And I look back and he's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I love he, it. He's done a lot of things like that. To Here, here's a couple other ones. Jamie Moyer. Remember Jamie Moyer had a run late in his career? Yeah. He was a useful he pitcher. R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey was another That's, one. I just that, is, that is the best one of all right there. But you know, it wasn't really a long window where he was good. You know, I feel no, like he won the Cy Young and got traded. He, he did. There was like, but he like the year before he was good. He won the Cy Young. He was good. Then after he was okay. And then it just, it was like a three year window. Then that was pretty much it. You know, Randy Johnson didn't have a good start to his career either, but no, but it was. I don't think we could right put him. Yeah, nah, yeah. He Joe was, Nathan. It was wild in Montreal. Nah, Joe Nathan was kind of nothing, and then reliever. But I guess reliever is always tough too, because when you convert a guy, that can change everything. Yeah, I mean, what his role yeah. is. Yeah, Andrew Miller. 
Yeah, no, I I, I think that uh, Dickie's a real good one there because Dickie didn't do anything for forever. And no, all of he was like a punchline. He was he went from punchline to Cy Young. That's tough. I can't believe that he never got a gig a couple of years ago. I mean, he basically was done like real quick. You know what happened? Baseball changed with the money. Yeah, he had made some good money. And I don't and, I, and he was it was never really about that for him. He was. Different no, him. I read his book. That was a that was a tough book to get. There, yeah, let me tell you. Sure. Yeah. Wow. No, no, what a story sure. that was. For sure. All right. Um, real quick. Uh, let's get to just the quick top stories in the NFL. Um, we got a game tonight, but uh, Joe, your favorite team's kickers out for the year. That that was a little stunning. I didn't. Yeah. You know, it isn't. It isn't because uh, he hasn't been good. Oh, I didn't La- know. no, he has not. He's missed a ton of extra points uh, last year, too. So I don't know if there was like a bigger issue, but obviously something happened in that game too, where something must have gone further. So I don't, I think it was mental and then whatever it is, it was an injury too. And then just the combination of stuff. And now he's done. So we'll see how that works out. And of course, my other favorite story, what a shock. I don't know if you saw this Jaguars owner, Shad Khan said the best thing for the team is to keep Jalen Ramsey. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Once again, Joe, don't believe it. They're not trading Jalen Ramsey. Sorry. Not happening. Sean, you heard that one. Save that one right there. Play that one back. All right, let's take a quick timeout here on Fantasy Sports today. we got the opening drive coming up next. A lot of topics to get to. Maybe a potential trade in the NFL, although it's being debunked, so we'll get into that. And uh, Professor P.C.P. is in the house as well. John Lobb joins us talking about football. You're listening to Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. And it is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. It is Thursday. A, a really good game, potentially, on deck tonight in the NFL. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's get to some of the hot topics in fantasy and reality. Rumors yesterday, Joe, swirling about a potential Stefan Diggs trade to another team. But that, since this morning, has been debunked. Justina Anderson, who, of course, works for ESPN, says that the uh, missing the practice yesterday has nothing to do with a potential trade. So, uh, look, again, it's all hearsay until something happens or doesn't happen. And certainly what the Vikings could do at this point, Joe, is take a deep internal look at their team once they get close to the trade deadline and then determine what to do with this player. But it certainly wouldn't make any sense for them to punt on the season now. And to me, Joe, that's what they would be doing. I don't see a third wide receiver in Minnesota or a receiver with that kind of talent like Diggs that will require a trade, do you? No. I mean, look, this is one of those things where I think people put pieces together and they go, okay, can, you know, Stefan Diggs help some team? Sure. Is Stefan Diggs having a good season? No. But I think this is a little lazy because if you go and you look about what's going on in terms of cap space that teams have now right now that's kind of tough and if they make a trade for digs i believe i read this yesterday the vikings take a cap hit somehow in the structure of the deal or whatever it is so that's another thing where i think it gets very different in in terms of what's available whereas i believe aj green that is a lot friendlier of a move now he's got to get back on the field but stefan Diggs is a guy that could help a a lot of teams, so I Get guess the Vikings. I, why, why would the Vikings trade him? Why? What's the point? Uh, I don't think they should. And I think after this week, everybody will sit back. We did a you know yesterday segment we did about the Kirk Cousins thing. I think was very helpful for me, and I hope it was helpful for everybody else. I don't know if it was helpful for you. I don't want to speak for you, but 
I thought there was, you know, we go back and you look and you say, look, Kirk Cousins has been good. Kirk Cousins hasn't been good so far this year. What are these variables? What's the overcorrection going on? What's the play calling been? And what are the matchups been? This is a matchup where everything should be right. If things go south this week against the Giants, if Kirk Cousins throws for 98 yards and one touchdown and two picks, then I think you are sounding alarms and you've got to think about making a change of quarterback. That's how bad I think it's going to be if you can't beat the Giants. So, yeah, you would think that Diggs would have a good game, but in terms of him getting dealt or people putting pieces of a puzzle together, I don't see that happening, man. I just don't. I think this is a little overblown. Look, Diggs has been as bad as any high-end wide receiver that you've drafted in fantasy. Well, he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been productive. He has you know, he hasn't bad. dropped a lot he of has balls. Been, he, yes, he has dropped a lot of balls. How many yet, drops does he have? A lot, and he's fumbled, and he's had an offensive pass interference calls, and he's take the, he took off his helmet and cost them points in the end zone. He has not been good. He is not. I've watched him. He has not been good. Period. I got to see how many drops he has. How many fumbles does the guy have? You fumbled the ball last week after catching the ball, turned the ball over to the other team. What's worse than that? Well, nothing. Offensive that's the one pass fumble he has all year. No, he's got two. He's got two fumbles. Oh, fantastic. Three, how many games have they played? Four? Two fumbles? No, it's, it's a problem. That's, that's horrible. Oh, please. I mean, everybody used to love Demarius Thomas. He fumbled the ball every game. Let's not let's not talk like some of these wide receivers don't fumble the football. That but is that's horrible. never been a problem for him previously. And you look at well, the rest it is of this his, year. I, I, I know, say but he's never had more than two year, fumbles he, in a season. Who cares? He has not had a good year. He is. Let me restate the fact. For where you drafted him in fantasy because of a one-half garbage time getting destroyed against the Bears. That's his whole production was the second half of the Bears this year and one bomb that he caught from Cousins. Other than that, he's cost his team wins, he's cost his team touchdowns, and he's cost the team penalties. He has not been good. And that's why the rumors are starting up about him being traded. He's been awful. He's been awful. All right. You don't want to fight that fight. Second down. I'm, just, I'm, looking at, I'm looking for drops while you're ranting. Who cares? He's fumbled twice. It's worse than any drop. It's hard. I know, but I'm saying he's like, okay. Right. Second down. Who is healthy for the Chargers? Tell me. Uh, Philip Rivers. <laughs> what is no, going it's... on with them? Again, all these guys out. Who is the second receiver now for the Chargers this week? Well, Inman's out. And, Inman's uh, out. Mike Benjamin's Williams out. Mike Williams limited. is out. No, Mike Williams is out. Mike Williams is so limited. not out yet? He'll be no, out by Friday. Not. He'll be out by no, Friday. No, no. He was limited. He practiced Wednesday. If you're practicing Wednesday, there's a good chance you're going to play. He actually practiced Wednesday. Not Usually Wednesday is the off day. So I think you're going to get Williams back, and I think you're going to need to get Williams back. Um, Travis Benjamin also was practicing, but Williams is the guy that you you want. And he, we're going to talk about him later on the show because I think it might be time to go pounce on that because I think a lot of people are getting frustrated with him. And he's still an extraordinary talent in terms of touchdown upside and in all fantasy leagues. So, yeah, the Chargers have a lot of issues, but I feel like I've been saying this the whole time. The Chargers are a good football team, not a great football team. I think they had expectations to be a great football team and injuries don't help. And we'll see what happens with Melvin Gordon. I, I feel bad because I know there's a lot of people who started Melvin Gordon last week, and I'm sure a lot of losses happened and a lot of goose eggs. So I think you got to start him this week, too. But, Craig, is that as dangerous as it was last week or less? Oh, I mean, it's got to be off. less dangerous, right? It has to be less. It, it, can't, like be, it. can't be feels, worse, can it? It feels like it. feels like it's less. Do you no, think they have brought him back in the fold just to get him back in to deal him? Like, they don't really care about playing him at all? That that was what I said, but I don't. I don't, I don't. I haven't gotten any indication that that's true. I don't think Gordon plays with the Chargers beyond this year. Eckler has absolutely proven that he could be a number one back, and all they would need is a complimentary back just to not have him get 98% of the snaps. But um, 
I, I would think it. I think he's a good candidate to be traded the deadline. Unfortunately, I'm not familiar with with cap hits and all that stuff with him. But I, I do think that at the end of the year, for sure, they will trade him. But we'd have to. We'd all it, it, during the season. It would have to require some sort of injury of a player that we're unaware of at the running back position. Like, uh, like as an example. Houston would be a good spot for them, but meanwhile, they've gotten Hyde, they've gotten Duke Johnson, they've gotten nothing. Maybe it's their offensive line. Maybe it's not the running back. So, uh, I, I've Gordon has far outperformed what I ever thought that he would do in the NFL. So, I've, I've never been a Gordon guy, and he's been phenomenal in reality and fantasy. So, he's just somebody I've been completely wrong about. Uh, third down, Steelers signed a Taron, uh, let's see, uh, Taron Christian. South Dakota State quarterback joke? Never heard that name before until yesterday. And well, if you haven't heard of it in a college football setting, well, then we're all in trouble. Uh, Lob has never heard of him either. South Dakota That's State. That's not true. Lobs knows everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you ask him in the next segment who Taren I Christian love this is. kid. He, you know, he he will say who? He will say that's he will say that's one of my students. Um <laughs> they they did this to mimic Lamar Jackson. Is, you, is this the kind of thing that works? <laughs> uh, you know the Remember the Patriots? Uh, who was it? There was uh, pretending to be Peyton Manning. God, it was a backup quarterback for the Colts, and they brought him in. They signed him to do all the cadences and all the Omahas and all the nonsense and the things that Peyton basically do like an imitation, and it worked. They they had him come in for more than one year. I remember during playoff games and having come in and just they worked, and he was running stuff, and they, the defense was learning the the cadence and the calls and the things like that. So, look, stylistically, sure, conceptually, maybe, but in reality. There's only one Lamar Jackson right now, and he plays for the Ravens. And if his kid was anything close, then he would be playing for an NFL team right now. So, look, it's smart from a preparation standpoint. Sure, go out there, do everything you can, and if you think you can help, great. But he ain't Lamar Jackson. And I I just wanted to remind everybody there's a reason. And I guess stylistically, sure, I guess, especially compared to what you have on your roster of preparation, this is a huge game. So Mike Tomlin better pull out all the stops because he's coaching for his life every week, I feel like now. So, yeah, yeah go out and do what you got to do. Yeah, they signed Joe Pizzapia to mimic uh, Stallone in First Blood. You know? Ew, this is my war. <laughs> there it is. Did you see new Rambo, by the way? I, don't know how I you did. Feel about I, that. I haven't, I'm not going to see it, but I know that it is coming out. Are you, okay, you're not going to see it, but no, are you going to watch that, it when that, it's on TV? Uh, no, probably not. Not, yeah. not, not a lot of interest. The Irishman is the next movie that I want to. That's the one. Out. Buddy of mine's in that. You want to get him on the show? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, is he a, is he an extra? Is he a yeah, extra? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, he was in. No, 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 no. He's an actor. <laughs> okay, so let's get yeah. him. Yeah, he was in uh, Green Book too. Okay, I don't know what that yeah. is, but let's get him for sure. It was the movie that won the Academy Award last year. I don't. I, 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 oh, boy, you're right. I mean, I, 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 I don't, don't know the. Like, I, I'm not good on those Academy. Hey, I don't know. And Michael Colleone said this. And Michael Colleone said that. I don't know. I All right, know. fourth down, real quick. We only have a minute. Forty-six-year-old tennis referee caught on video tells sixteen-year-old girl, uh, ball girl at the <sighs> tennis match that she's very sexy. I don't have thoughts. I have rage. I mean. Come weird, on, bro. Weird. weird. Caught on video with audio. Too. Oh, oh, my God. God. Come on, man. Seriously? Seriously, you want, bro? You want to get creeped out at YouTube? All no, right, well, I'm not even clicking on the link. It's got All right. I'm going to take my computer away. Uh, we'll go back to school next with Joe Pizzapia. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. 
Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today brings you... Oh, back to school. Back to school. What's your favorite subject? Foosball. Really? <laughs> Do you want two risk-free bets up to $1,000? Go to pointsbet.com slash grid and open up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000. In addition to traditional betting, PointsBet also offers its own betting concept where customers are rewarded by how much they win their bet. For example, if you are playing tonight's NFL game and you bet the Seahawks minus a point and a half and they beat the Rams by five, wow, you'll receive five times your stake. That is pointsbet.com slash grid. Enter promo code grid to get your two risk-free bets of up to $1,000 today. You must be in New Jersey and 21 years or older to use pointsbet.com. So keep that in mind. You can be uh, of any type, any age to listen to the show here on FNTSY, even on the iHeart app. Just make sure you have a phone that can download apps and you get that. we got Sean Guastamaki producing the show today. And this is our back to school segment. As you heard there, a little Billy Madison with uh, Adam Sandler, one of the great school type uh, movies. Maybe an Adam Sandler favorite for a lot of people. His first ever movie. That was a pretty funny one. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. But let's uh, let's go back to school. Now, here's how the way this works. If, if you're listening to this for the first time, Joe has been a professor in many different things, the theater, the arts, the fencing. But in this case, he is a fantasy professor. So he's going to take us to school on three different topics on the show today. And without further ado, we turn it over to Professor Joe Pizzapia. Thank you, Craig, for a lovely introduction and this lovely spread that you've made out here for the uh, for the missive today. You did a very nice job of catering everything Thank here you. for this segment. I really I like do. that. Yeah. Well, I like when you go all out and it means something when you go all out. So I appreciate that. But today's lesson is about um, it's about record and where you're at at this point in the season, because there's a lot of hype for months and months and months. And most people <clears throat> not Craig Mish. Don't say it out loud to Craig. Don't let him hear you. Most people are preparing for the NFL season. They're preparing, oh. they're getting ready for draft season. So mostly they've prepared longer than the actual season has gone on. So I think it's very important to go and look at that and say to yourself, where are we right now? And we're only a month into the season. Now that's true. It's a third of the regular season for fantasy, but still there's plenty of evaluation. So this lesson today is going to be about record and your record in certain leagues and how you should approach them. So the first one is for the 0-4 teams. A lot of you, you know, there are people out there who start 0-4 for, for whatever reason. Sometimes, you know, you eat the bear. Sometimes the bear, he eats you. Sometimes you have injuries. All these things that go wrong. 0-4 teams take shots on big talent that haven't performed yet, whether it's on your roster or on another roster. Go out there. Be aggressive. Go look for proven talent that has really not quite done anything because you're 0-4 anyway. If you can get Todd Gurley on the cheap who hasn't done anything yet, if you can get DeAndre Hopkins on the cheap who hasn't really done much yet, if you can somehow package a bunch of players and find a difference maker who has underperformed but has a track record of being very good, you go all in and you do that because you have nothing to lose. Because if you go 0-5, 0-6, it's it, it's over. Well, 0-5, so, it's over, right? 0-5, yeah, 0-4, you're practically there. Anyway, I think you're on the press. Yeah, that's true. Well, look, I've had teams that – but here's the thing. It depends on – Anything can happen with injuries. Anything can happen in football leagues. You have a run where you win four in a row. All of a sudden, you're right back in it. And at 500, you are right in that race to get in a playoff, depending on how many t- 
teams are in your league. So go all in now. Don't wait anymore. You've been patient. Patience is done when you're 0-4. Time to be aggressive. Would you agree with that lesson, Craig Mish? Yeah, yeah. there's one other small caveat that I completely forgot okay. about that I wouldn't let uh, slip by is that uh, it's a fair lesson, but really in the Cliff Notes version of this or maybe in a little postscript of this, it should also say that there are a lot of you that should take the lesson from this that it shouldn't always be about the record and most leagues will reward the top points team overall and give them a playoff yes. spot regardless mm -hmm. of the record. And that is something well, I that's to make coming sure later in the lesson. Yes. Yeah, okay. so that's, there's a yeah. little lesson. There's a sub lesson. You're right. There's a good caveat. See, that's why you're want to throw that to in the professor. Okay. It's good. Yeah, it's good. All right. Number two, the second lesson is the opposite. The four and O teams. I know everything's roses right now. Everything looks great. Everything you've touched has turned to fantasy gold, but like Craig said, look at the points for. Have you been lucky in terms of your opponents? Have you caught people on the right week? Uh, have you been able to avoid injuries? Have you had players that have far exceeded your expectations? Start to be honest and identify what's on your team that's overperforming. Look at those players that are overperforming. And now I want you to go and look at the schedule they have ahead. How many road games do they have? How many top defenses are they going to play? We know now in the NFL, after a month into the season, who those top defenses are and who they aren't. Do they have good matchups? Do they have a future here? Or is the book going to be out on these guys, and now teams are going to start adjusting, and when they adjust, is your 4-0 going to turn to 4-4? Four four? You have to be realistic. It's very difficult for the 4-0 team to be realistic because everything has gone well. You have to kind of have almost a negative specter about everything and look at it and say, everything's gone well. What do I do now? How do I fix this? going forward to make sure that I maintain this and I don't get a false sense of security. So for no teams, that is lesson number two, Craig Mish, when you're undefeated, don't you think that's the biggest time to be paranoid? Uh, yes, but, uh, but I also am supremely confident after a four and O start because it's put me in a position to only have to really win three of the next fantasy games in all likelihood in most leagues to get there. But I under I certainly understand your point to that without a doubt. I started off in one of my leagues two and zero, and I knew that even though I was doing well, it was a little bit fraudulent. And last week in that specific league, I tried to trade Diggs uh, for Devonta Freeman, who you know I don't like at all. But I just tried because I had no other running backs, and I'm like, my gosh, Montgomery's doing nothing, and um, Philly's running back who always escapes my mind. I don't know why I keep. Uh, Miles Jordan Sanders, Howard? Miles Sanders. Oh, okay. Like I'm coming to the <laughs> the conclusion that I've gotten some busted running backs and I don't like Freeman at all, but I'm hoping somebody else didn't like Freeman at all either, but it gave me some breathe somebody to breathe uh, at running back and I lost last week 138 to 117 because the guy didn't want to make the trade. He's like Diggs is trash. I started Alexander Madison, no other running back I had on my roster to start. Moster was off. And so, yes, yeah, and I did not do a good job looking ahead. Now I'm two and two, and I'm going to have to fight my way in. So, yes. Speaking of two and two, that's why you're the best at this. You're the Sultan of Segway. Lesson number three, the 500 team. If you're two and two right now, here's what you do. You first look and listen to what Craig Mish said. Look at your points for. Don't get caught up too much in your record. Are you one of the highest point teams? And even if, you're, even if your league doesn't reward the highest point getter of the year with a playoff spot, even if that doesn't come true, Look at how well you're doing. Are you in the top third of scoring? Your team might be better than you realize, in which case don't make a panic move. However, your team might not be as good as you think it is, and those two wins could be a complete paper tiger, kind of like the Chargers. But 
Here's what I would do if I were you. I would start to look at those bottom feeder teams that are one and three and oh and four that are in panic mode. You might be able to pry away a piece that's underperformed from them that could be very, very useful to you and continue to bolster your roster. And you and I'm not saying go out there and lowball them. I'm saying go make legitimate trade offers that can help them and help you, but try your best to maybe take that extra piece back, maybe do a little bit more because what happens is some of these teams overreact to where they are, or maybe even react appropriately if they're 0-4, and you might be able to come away with some stuff that'll stop you in this 500-team loop and get you into the winning, and that's where you want to be. So that's where you would go now. And this brings us to another point, kind of a big, it's a bonus lesson about all play leagues. And I turned... Last year, my home league, not this 2019 season, 2018, into an all-play, head-to-head fantasy points baseball. And I'll tell you what, everybody loved it. Because if you had a good week, you might have come out, uh, you know, 14-2 and two or 13-3 and three this week sure. when you're playing yeah. everywhere, yeah. you know. And, and you're being rewarded every week for putting a good team out there. Don't you think that more fantasy leagues in the NFL sphere should start considering that? Because I it feel like that's like a it. much more fair way to do things, don't you? It feels like it, but uh, yeah, and and this is it's the, so simple. This is the problem. This is the problem is that you um, as an individual and, and mm-hmm. look, I mean, I, I give you credit for saying it, but you as an individual make your uh, make some of not all, but some of your living off a publication that it's a very well respected and purchased publication. And if we trend toward that. I don't know, Joe, does that help you? Does that hurt you? Would that have to change your thinking? I know from the previous place that I used to work that it would destroy them if that was the way that it was. Because what, all play? Uh, yeah, because if you did all play as opposed to just preparing for a standard season-long league, it would change how people have to prepare. And this narrative of having to prepare in June and July would be gone, wouldn't it? No, no, I don't know. I mean, it's just a different, I'm not at all. I think the only thing it changes is you don't get hammered when you're one of the top scoring teams and your record doesn't reflect that. That's all it does. When you're doing all play, that means basically you're playing all, let's say it's a 12 team league. You're playing all 11 teams every week. And if you have a middling week, well, maybe you're going to come out, uh, you know, five and six. If you have a really good week, Maybe you're you undefeated that week. But what I'm saying is I think what it starts to do is it starts to change a little bit how you address the league where there's so much frustration with many teams who have good weeks but come out with an L because they happen to I play it. the top team that week. So, yeah. yeah, this this is not a preparation thing. This doesn't change preparation whatsoever. Okay. This, well, then, yeah, to me, so just changes how you reward everything in the league. That's all. Okay. Well, then that makes more sense for sure because yeah. uh, the last thing that you want to do is – I think that to take away the idea of of outcomes and projections and things like that. Well, my book is super popular because I happen to be one of the few people who really addresses head-to-head points leagues in baseball. Not head-to-head category. I do that too, but head-to-head points is really my favorite baseball format. And there's a huge vacuum for that in the industry. And it's one of the biggest growing league segments. And that's why people like the book Black Book because there's strategy for that. But instead of just playing one opponent every week, you're playing – everybody every week. And that's great because it's almost like a hybrid where you're constantly being rewarded for good teams that you're putting out there every week, not bad luck of playing the best team that happened to have the best week that particular gotcha. week that you played against. Gotcha. All right. Uh, that's our professor piece of Pia segment coming up next. We bring in the gridiron scholar. It's all about teaching on the show today. A pretty big week, I would say, in college football starts tonight. And, of course, games tomorrow and then this weekend on Saturday. We'll bring in John Lobb to 
give us a little bit of a preview of DFS and also some potential upsets this week in college football. You're listening to Joe and Craig on Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Best friends. Yep. The best friends forever. John Ross is on the IR, which means that Auden Tate is someone that's worth picking up. And I don't think it's just worth picking up. He's facing the Cardinals this week. He has a clear opportunity right now. Really big bodied receiver, six foot four. They can use him in the red zone as well. I think there's a clear opportunity. He could easily be a wide receiver three going up against the Cardinals this week. Tate is in, and I think this week, this offense will produce this week. I think it's an interesting offense. Watch live weekdays, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on SportsGrid and Zumo TV, channel 719. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Each and every week we check in on a little college football, DFS, perhaps an underdog as well with John Lobb. He is the gridiron scholar and he joins us now to talk a little fantasy here on the show. Johnny, what's going on? Hey, man, I know it's baseball playoff season, but, man, we are rocking and rolling in college football. We have some great matchups, and it is conference games coming up for the next seven weeks. Well, John, let's kind of uh, start off this weekend and uh, talk about some of the things that I think are the most interesting. For me, now, as you know, John, I am a, a University of Florida graduate, and so all of my focus this coming Saturday, outside of the Little League game that I have to coach in the <laughs> afternoon, is uh, is this game between the Gators and Auburn Tigers. It's the early game of the year, of course, until, John, as you know, Florida plays LSU the next week, okay? But it is yeah. the, it, it's the SEC, John. Like, this is it, man. Like, this is the time of the year that these teams are just punching each other in the face week after week. Florida against Auburn. LSU going to go ahead and take on Florida the following week. Then it's LSU and Alabama. Then it's Alabama and Auburn. It just never ends. It's unbelievable, Craig, and I am really looking forward to this Auburn-Florida game, man. This is going to be a slugfest on the Auburn offensive line against the Florida front seven. I believe Florida leads the nation in sacks. They definitely lead the SEC in sacks. They are nasty on the run-pass option. They, they, they base the quarterback. They attack the quarterback. They steer the quarterback. You have a freshman, Bo Nix, from Auburn coming in to the swamp. I think this game is nasty. I'm psyched for it. Hey, Kyle Trask, the new quarterback of the Gators, he's played good football for a young man, 77 completion percentage, 647 yards and five touchdowns. He has some playmakers on the outside in Van Jefferson, Trayvon Grimes. Hey, with Auburn, we have Seth Williams, who is a legitimate um, prospect at the wide receiver position. They can run the football. I like Florida in this game. I can't wait to see it. I there do. You. All right, John, we got a side bet going here, okay? So, no, <laughs> okay. there's no pressure on you. Just be honest, okay? Yeah. Do you know this name, Taryn Christian? 
I do not. So I have okay, to. Okay, there you go. See, even John Lobb. I thought know. even I, I thought John would even know. I, this was some guy that the Steelers are desperate. They're bringing in to mimic Lamar Jackson. He's from South Dakota State or something like that. And oh. I said, if anybody knows who this guy is, maybe it's John. <laughs> But don't worry. I don't think any less of you, my friend. I, you know, there's only so much you could do in a day. Plus, you're shaping young minds. Uh, I don't know if Mr. Harbaugh in Michigan is shaping anything uh, nowadays. <laughs> Obviously, a terrible outing there against Wisconsin. Then uh, they, the week before, they nearly lost to Army. They go to Rutgers and they put up 52. They shut them out. Okay, we're back in it. Blah blah. Now they got Iowa, ranked number 14. So. Is this once again where people are starting to build back up Michigan in their mind they shouldn't? Or, you know, is this one of these games where I was going to go in there and just absolutely blow their doors off? How do you see this one working out? Because these are two ranked teams going at it here, and Michigan has not been good this year. Michigan's been absolutely bad, if you ask me. And I, I grew up as a Michigan fan. Now I have UConn season tickets, but I still watch, watch the Wolverines. They've been a major disappointment this year. I think Harbaugh has to be Ohio State to save his job. But at this game right now, they're at home. I don't think Iowa's as good as they have been the last couple of seasons. They usually have excelled at the tight end position and getting the ball to the tight ends in the middle of the field and deep. They don't have that playmaker this year. Michigan, I don't think they'll score a lot of points here. I don't like them to cover. I I hate to give up that half point on the three and a half. I think they win this game, but I think it's boring. I think it's nasty. I think it's like 17 to 14. The Wolverines win here. I don't think they're very good, but the Hawkeyes are a little bit down. Even though they're ranked 14, Michigan's 19th in the nation, I still think Michigan has more playmakers, even though they're not great on the offensive side of the football. So I do like the Wolverines at home here. Yeah, and uh, and they need this one <laughs> really, really yeah. badly, John. Yeah, like they they really need this badly for sure. Uh, John Lobb is with us. He is the Gridiron Scholar. He picked Florida, so I give him a hug for sure. Here on the show, gotta step out here. No, no, no. We're all we're all loving the Gators uh, this week. L- let me ask you about a couple of other games here, and and John, this is interesting from more of a uh, betting perspective because this is something that I've talked about with Howard Bender on the show. You and I talked about this as well. Uh, Virginia Tech, okay, Virginia Tech, John, they had all those kids leaving the school. There are some, like, internet chat rooms that are saying that the players don't care, they don't want to play. Uh, In the history of you following college football and me, going back to Frank Beamer, John, Virginia Tech has never been 14-point underdogs in any game I can ever remember, historically, ever, okay? Maybe they've been 14-point favorites. Uh, Miami, (laughs) I I don't fully trust Miami. But if there is if there is something going on with Virginia Tech that we don't know about, should we be automatically fading the Hokies at this point? I, 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 I'm reading about it. I'm seeing that there's even more kids that are thinking about transfer. What's going on with that program? You know, this is a shocker to me. So obviously the coach, in my opinion, and this is from an outsider reading some of the stuff that you are reading, he seems to have lost the clubhouse. I mean, what has happened to Ryan Willis, their quarterback? He replaced Josh. Josh Johnson last year, he played well down the stretch like the last six games of the year. He opened up against BC ODU playing pretty good football, but he has sunk the bed against Furman and Duke in back-to-back weeks. And I watched that Duke game, and it was embarrassing to watch the Hokies play football. And you're right, Craig. I don't remember Virginia Tech being 14-point underdogs because they're – under Beamer, they were a defensive-minded team. So it was difficult to blow the Hokies out. I don't like Miami that much. I think their offense is below average. 
but they do have some talent on defense. I don't think the Hokies can go into Miami and cover this game. Look, to me, once you lose the clubhouse and the players, it is very hard to play good football on the road in college because you have young kids who aren't used to traveling. They're still in classes. We can argue if they're really in classes. That's a different story. Yeah, right. but, <laughs> you know, but, but the traveling for an 18- or 19-year-old kid can be a challenge. Miami's at home. I expect the Hurricanes to cover in this one. Yeah, interesting also, by the way, uh, as you know, uh, John, Bud Foster, I mean, if there was ever a, you know, a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator in the history of the game, um, it would be him, and he tried to retire this offseason. Yeah. He, he tried to stop, and the uh, the school basically like begged him to just do one more year with them, and I guess it's because of all this nonsense that's going on and unfortunately, he's going to go out pretty poorly, it looks like here, too. Man, a crazy scenario for people to keep an eye on. For those of you who are, are betting, to keep an eye on Virginia Tech. This may be a team, by the way, guys, that does not win a game the rest wow. of the year. Some strange things happening there. Uh, Joe, anything else from you? I got a Yeah, I got here. a question for you. I, I want to know, John, you know, obviously top four now. You got Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State. Then you got a couple undefeated teams after that. LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn. And Wisconsin. Of those four remaining teams, LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, Wisconsin, who do you think is the best football team right now? I personally think it's LSU because they've upgraded their offense to join the 21st century. Joe Burrow is, you know, they used to be Neanderthal-like on offense, but Joe Burrow's throwing the football all over the field. They have so much talent at the wide receiver position. We know they're going to play solid defense. Craig had mentioned it. I'm already looking forward to going out with my friends and watching the Tigers and the Crimson Tide, and I think it's three weeks, right, yeah, Craig? Yeah, three weeks, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if both of these teams are undefeated, and I, and I watched all these Alabama LSU games where they're 10 to 7, 12 to 10. I think both teams can throw the football all over the field. The Tigers have the defense to keep them in. I like Wisconsin, but they don't have the quarterback. I have questions about a freshman quarterback at Auburn, Oklahoma in big spots. I don't think their defense rises to the occasion. You know, Ohio State, they're good, they're talented, but can they beat, win a slugfest? Physically, I have my questions. LSU has every component to beat an Alabama and a Clemson. So I think they're by far the fifth best team in the nation. Yeah, and, and if and if hopefully we're, we're not wrong this week, because of course I want the Gators to win. But if we are wrong and Auburn does go to Gainesville and wins, uh, John, that puts Auburn right in the mix there too. All they would have to do is beat LSU and beat Alabama, and they would get there. It's a, it's it's not an easy road for any of these teams. The other thing that I would say, and Joe talks about how he loves defensive football. Um, that LSU Alabama game, it does not matter oh. what the score is in that game. You, you, it could be 12 to 10. You will never see more passion on one field from two schools than you will see in that game. The amount of hitting and the amount, yeah. of, I mean, that game every year, yeah. uh, there, there is a reason. And this is another good example for people who bet. There is a reason that Alabama and LSU after they play that game together, they never cover a spread the following week. Never. No. They, they are destroyed. <laughs> I mean, historically, it is like 30% cover after that. They will not <laughs> mark it down right now. We could look at the schedule. Whoever they play, they are so tired from having to play that game. It is my favorite game every year on the schedule, obviously, outside of uh, the games that the Gators play. All right, John, let's get into some DFS this week. Give me some uh, decent matchups here for you, some guys that we should be looking at. Sure. There's actually a two games late tonight, and there's, I'm going to give you two running backs So I think you have to put in your lineup. The first one is going to be South Alabama running back Trey Minter. 
He's averaging eight yards a carry. He's got 432 touches or 432 yards rushing in the year. He's, they are playing, um, I forgot now, Georgia Southern tonight. So you have to put Trey Minter in your lineups tonight. And then Temple. They have a very nice, they're playing ECU, is not very good. And they have a very nice freshman quarter running back who's had a terrific last couple weeks. Ramon Davis, 346 yards rushing, three touches, three touchdowns, averaging 5.8 yards a carry. Both of those players should be in your lineup tonight if you want to play the slate. I kind of like it. There'll be some points on the board, and you can put a good team around those two players on DraftKings. All right, cool. Yeah, I kind of like East Carolina a little tonight. I don't know. So they've been, this is oh, the interesting. Be- this is the best spot that East Carolina has had on a football field going into a game and a night game, John, in how long? Ever? Like, oh, this is the- <laughs> I can remember, yes. Yeah, this is They're the best not- that they've played. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a real, real, I want to get an upset pick from you, but let me ask you this question. And, uh, and, and again, a tip for people who are watching, anybody who's going to watch tomorrow night's college football, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it on social media, uh, Central Florida is going to play at Cincinnati, John, tomorrow night. And did you see what they did in Cincinnati? They painted the whole field black. The whole field is black. The field. Really? Yes. The no, field I is black. Yeah. Yeah. The field is Ooh. black. Yeah. I've never seen that before. They're doing a, like a complete blackout uh, in the history. I've never seen this in the history of college football. They're, the fans are supposed to wear all black. The players are going to be wearing uh, dark jerseys, and the field is black as well. Now, the lines are red, so you can see where they're going, but I've never seen yeah, anything yeah. like this before, so it should be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, so they're doing the Boise State thing, but in total black, right? Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you not take Cincinnati at home in that yeah. spot, right? I mean, well, you know, it, Craig, you were you asked me for an upset. I was going to give you that one. Okay. The, yeah. Beer, the Bearcats have the formula. They can play defense. They're an underrated defense. Not, they're not looking. They're not in the top five. But no. they can play defense. You have a freshman quarterback going on the road as a favorite. And what you're telling me is Cincinnati is fired up for this game. I like the Bearcats plus four because even if the Knights win, I could see this as like 33 to 30. And Cincinnati should be able to run the football you got to control the clock. I like the Bearcats plus four. And now that you told me about the field, I even like them more. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see this thing. And Cincinnati looked awesome against uh, against Marshall. They just, just pounded them. Uh, 52 points last week was crazy. Pounded uh, them. All right, uh, John, thank you once again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Good luck with all of your games this weekend, and we'll catch up again next week, okay? Yeah, excellent. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, Johnny. All right, that's You're John Lobb. He is the Gridiron Scholar. Our best of hour number one is coming up next. And then we got hour two, a full slate of information, fantasy information, and everything that's going on in fantasy sports. Again, this is Fantasy Sports Today right here on FNTSY. And don't forget to catch all of our great programming over on Sports Grid as well. Uh, Also, just a quick note for those of you who are into kickers in the NFL, Ian Rappaport reporting earlier today. If you're looking to pick up a kicker for Steven Goskowski, the name that you want to pick up is Mike Nugent. That's who the Patriots have signed at kicker. We'll take nice. a quick time out, and we'll be back after this. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. 
This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Then you got a couple undefeated teams after that. LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, and Wisconsin. Of those four remaining teams, LSU, Oklahoma, Auburn, Wisconsin, who would you think is the best football team right now? I personally think it's LSU because they've upgraded their offense to join the 21st century. Joe Burrow is (laughs) You know, they used to be Neanderthal-like on offense, but Joe Burrow's throwing the football all over the field. They have so much talent at the wide receiver position. We know they're going to play solid defense. Craig had mentioned it. I'm already looking forward to going out with my friends and watching the Tigers and the Crimson Tide, and I think it's three weeks, right, yeah, Craig? Yeah, three weeks, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if both of these teams are undefeated, and I, and I watched all these Alabama-LSU games where they're 10-7, to 7, 12 to 10. I think both teams can throw the football all over the field. The Tigers have the defense to keep them in. I like Wisconsin, but they don't have the quarterback. I have questions about a freshman quarterback at Auburn, Oklahoma in big spots. I don't think their defense rises to the occasion. You know, Ohio State, they're good, they're talented, but can they beat, win a slugfest physically? I have my questions. LSU has every component to beat an Alabama and a Clemson. So I think they're by far the fifth best team in the nation. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Hour number two, if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today.